Amen. Well, welcome everyone. Let me try that again. Welcome everyone. Amen. Amen. Good to see everyone this morning. God bless you. Thank you for your faithful giving and thank you for your worship this morning. It pleases the heart of God when we come together as one to worship him, to love him, to put our faith and our trust in him. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to John chapter 13? We have been, well, first of all, let me just say what a time we had last Sunday. Wasn't that amazing? It's a powerful, powerful time. We thank God for just uh, pouring out his spirit, touching our lives, impacting us, and we believe for greater things. We believe that he's done things in us, and he will continue to work through us. Amen? But we have um, been working through a series that we feel is very strategic, it's very important, and that is the topic of discipleship. Uh, becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You know, coming to church is, is important. Coming to church is, 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 you know, part of our walk with God. But it's more than just coming to church. It's being, being a follower of Jesus and learning how uh, to follow him and also teaching others. Amen? Uh, we want to become true, devoted followers of Jesus, but we also want to help other people follow Christ because of life and no one comes to the Father but through him. Amen. And what we have been using is a, a resource in our life groups that we're tying in with our Sunday morning uh, messages, and that is a book, The Master's Plan of Evangelism, and it's by Robert E. Coleman. And the book has eight uh, chapters in there, one word concepts or characteristics of how Jesus discipled his disciples. So if we're learning how Jesus did it and how he made disciples, how many of you know uh, that's a good, those are good principles? Uh, those are the, the best. You can't, you can't do better than, um, than following how, the model that Jesus set for us. So each of these words are, are, are principles, are characteristics that just communicate so much. The, the one we're going to look at today is called demonstration. Demonstration. Jesus did not limit his discipling of his disciples to a classroom or to a Bible study, or to a sermon. He literally, his whole life was an object lesson. His whole life was a message that he preached, and he demonstrated, he showed, he revealed how they were to follow him. And so this morning, we're going to look at that, that concept, that principle of demonstration. I remember uh, just this last saw my neighbor my neighbor was cutting his grass. And you say, what's the big deal? You must have a boring life if you're impressed by a neighbor cutting his grass. No, well, stay with me. What I saw is I saw my neighbor cutting his grass, and behind him was a three- or four-year-old son of his who had a plastic lawnmower, and he had his plastic sunglasses on, and he thought he was so cool. He was 
following his father. As his father was cutting the grass, he was going right behind him with his sunglasses on, pushing his plastic lawnmower. What was he doing? He was following in his father's footsteps. He was acting out what he saw demonstrated by his father. And he was being discipled. He was being trained because his father's hoping one day very soon that his son is going to cut the grass. And that was the goal. The demonstration was to set an example, to be an object lesson, so that as his son grows up, he could in turn begin to mow the lawn for his father. Now, I think this is an important principle. This is critical because Jesus, he would demonstrate the truth that he would preach and he would teach. He would show his disciples how they would now follow him, how they were to go by his example. Now, I'm sure some of you have heard this saying, and maybe some of you have used it. Someone has said, do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. Now, when you think about it, that's really a foolish statement. Someone is saying, I want you to just listen to what I say, but don't do what I do. That's like a father or a parent saying to their child, don't, don't get into the habit of smoking because that is not healthy for you. That is not good for you. And the child says, well, but mom, dad, you smoke. Do as I say, not as I do. Or I've heard of even parents who, who send their kids to church and they tell their kids, go to church. And, and, the, and the kid says, well, I don't want to go. Well, you need to go. And the kid says, well, you don't go. The parents said, do as I say, not as I do. That's really not the way to live. Because your words really don't carry any kind of, 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 of impact or have any moral authority. You're just speaking words at that point. And you see, that's not how Jesus lived his life. That's not how the master lived his life and showed others how to follow him and how to become his disciples. In John chapter 13, Jesus gave an example that was so profound. He was having a meal with his disciples and there came a time, you know, when back in, in, in biblical times in first century Palestine, when, when, when people would go into a house, there would be a, a servant or the youngest in the family would come and they would, they would walk, allow for a, a foot washing, allow for hands to be cleaned, and, and, and they would provide water because back in the day, they didn't have nice shoes or sneakers or socks. They had sandals on. And they walked through streets that would... would they would get dirty and there would be mud and there would be other stuff that wouldn't be too pleasant. Um, but hey, you know, let me just, on a side, you know, I, I wish we had in our culture, we took our shoes off when we go in the house. I like going to some people's house and in, in, in some of the parts of the country, world where they take their shoes off. I think that's so good. Do you think of some of the things we step in and then we walk on rugs and walk? Well, that's another sermon for another time. But anyway, so, so they're, they're, 
they would wash the feet, and, and here we have Jesus in John chapter 13. It's, it's the feast of the Passover. They're all together. They're having a meal, and then one point in the meal, Jesus gets up, and he goes for a basin of water, and he goes for a towel, and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. He takes on the form of a servant, he takes the position of great humility and great sacrifice, and he does something no one else was willing to do but the Son of God. Jesus himself would humble himself, and he would wash his disciples' feet. But look what he says. I want you to, to look at this. John chapter 13, verse, verse 15. Well, let me back up. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, look at this. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus said, I have given you an example that you are to do as I have done to you. Jesus didn't say do as I say and not as I do. He says do as I say and do as I do. Amen. And we see this. We see Jesus demonstrating. Now we're talking this morning. We're talking in this series about an all important topic of making disciples. It's not enough for a church to draw a large crowd. It's not enough to say wow we had a full house. It's not enough to say, wow, look at, look at the church, all the people. That's good. That's, that's half the battle. But the other half of the battle is now making disciples. A disciple is a follower of Jesus who learns to do what Jesus did and also teaches others to do the same thing. So when we talk about demonstration, it's one of the principles, it's one of the truths, it's one of the ways that Jesus trained his disciples. And so if Jesus did it, we need to do it. Amen? Amen? And we need to teach others. We need to demonstrate the gospel to other people. It's an indispensable key in training those who followed him. Demonstration. What does the word demonstration mean? It means to give a practical ex exhibition an explanation of how a skill, a craft, or a machine works or is performed. So when it comes to the life and the ministry of Jesus, when it comes to this all-important topic of discipleship, it's, it's, a, it's a lesson, it's an object lesson of how we live out our faith. You know, it's easy to say, love one another. But what does that look like? How is it fleshed out in real life? It's easy to say, oh, yeah, forgive one another. But how, what does that look like when you're hurt, when you've been talked about, when you've been abused and misused? And How does that work out? Well, when you look at Jesus' life, you see, you see an object lesson. You see his life was, was all about demonstrating what it meant to follow the ways of God. So Jesus' life was a continual sermon. And he expected his disciples, look what he said in verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, 
He wasn't talking about having foot washing services in church. You know, we, we have done that from time to time just as an act of humility and, and, and just doing that as, as a service unto God and, and, and doing it pleasing to God. There are some denominations that have foot washing as a part of their, their sacrament, as a part of their, uh, one of the ordinances that they have in their church. Um, anytime we have ever done that, it's been once in years and years and years, maybe 10, 20 years, we always made sure people washed their feet and, and didn't have holes in their socks. We always prepared people. But, but we don't believe as, as, as a church, as the Assemblies of God, as a Christian church, we don't believe that foot washing is an is a ordinance of the church or a sacrament of the church. We believe it, 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 it speaks of, of humble service to other people. We can wash one another's feet by caring for them when they're sick, by reaching out to them when they're hurting by loving them when, when their heart is broken, by forgiving them. Those, those are some of the ways. So what Jesus was saying, I have left you an example. I have gone before you. I've done it, so now you can do it yourself. And Jesus would say this. Look at verse 17. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. What we have to learn and understand in following Jesus and, and learning the ways of God, it's easy to know something. It's a different story doing it. You see, in God's kingdom, in God's economy, you haven't really learned something until you've done it. Come on, somebody say amen this morning. Turn to the person next to you. See, I think he's talking to you. Now I want you to point your finger at yourself and say, I think he's talking to me. See, it's easy to point to somebody else. You see, anyone could preach. Anyone could teach. But to do it, oh boy, that's a whole nother story. That's, that's something big. There's a difference. See, there's a difference between knowing and learning. You can know a lot of things, but if you don't act on, them, act on them, you haven't really learned them. So Jesus didn't leave the discipleship process in a classroom. He took it to the streets where the rubber meets the road. You know, as I was praying and as I was studying this, it, it made me, you know, really begin to evaluate and think, you know, a lot of times in the church, we're, we're missing it in this aspect. We're good at doing church. We're good at having a Sunday morning service, a Wednesday night life groups, and, and that's good, and, and we do some of the discipleship, but it's more than that. It's bigger than that. Jesus never restricted his discipleship process, his demonstration, to a classroom or a synagogue or a church service. He was with his disciples, so, so that speaks to me that we have to be with each other more. There's got to be more connection with other believers. There's got to be fellowship. There's got to be interaction. There's got to be relationship. There's got to be a give and a take and a receiving and a giving. There's got to be connection that, that is beyond a church service, beyond the, the prescribed meeting times of, of, of a church. 
Jesus, he, he walked with his disciples. He talked with them. Life, life afforded opportunities for teaching. Life and, and, and just, just life, just living life afforded opportunities for lessons to be communicated. See, Jesus, he took his message to the streets where the rubber meets the road. And he, and he helped his disciples to apply the biblical knowledge. You see, there's nothing like real life application. There's nothing like really doing the gospel, amen? Back to that, that, that what people say, do as I say, not as I do. We contrast that with the master, do as I have done. He said, do as I have done. I've left you an example. So when we look in the scriptures, we see the heart of God. We see the life of Jesus, how he demonstrated how we ought to do life. Let me just tell you, it is counterintuitive to the way the world lives. It turns the world's ways upside down. Jesus said to his disciples, you are not of this world. You're in the world, but you're not of it. We march to a different drumbeat. We live according to different principles. We are not living according to the ways of this world. We live according to the principles of the word of God. And we do what Jesus did. And we live the way he lived. And you know what? That got him on a cross. That got him suffering. That got him nails pierced in his hands and in his feet and a spear in his side and a crown of thorns. Why? Because he lived a life that was counterintuitive to the way of the world and he went against the grain of the world. And you and I need to learn that as disciples of Jesus, we have to do what he did and not do what, 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 what the housewives of New Jersey do. We don't need to do it the way the world does it. We need to do it the way God prescribed in his word and some of us are just being discipled and being influenced by the music of this world by 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 the philosophy of this world we're being we're being discipled by the tv programs of this world but jesus said no i want you to do as i have done so jesus he lived out what he preached and he taught you know, and as I was studying this, and see, when you, when you really study the Word of God and you, and you look at it through different um, uh, perspectives as you're studying a book, you know, this whole thing of demonstration, you know what I realized? Jesus himself was discipled. You know what he said in, in John chapter 5? It just blew me away. I never saw it in this, in this perspective. John chapter 5, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. He was so in tune with the Father. He was so in, in oneness with him and so in unity. He says, I can, the Son could do nothing of himself, but whatever he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. Amen. God, may it be said of us that as disciples of Jesus that he does what the Father does. He does she does what, what Jesus does. Amen. Amen. Jesus in his life demonstrated, and he did wasn't what was important. Some of the things the book makes reference to, I think, are val valid and very valuable. The practice of prayer. Yes. Jesus lived a life that was connected with his father. Jesus understood, even though he was the son of God, even though he had never sinned, he was pure and he was holy, he knew he was living in a world that he had to have the spirit and the strength of God to live out the faith. 
So Jesus lived a life that was connected with his father. The Bible shows us the, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, show us that Jesus prayed early, Jesus prayed late, Jesus prayed often, Jesus prayed publicly, Jesus prayed privately. His whole life was, was one of communion with the Father. And, and see something, again, what he demonstrated, he was an example. And, and, and he even prayed publicly and he, his disciples saw him. Sometimes in the church we, we think, well, we don't want anybody to see us doing anything good. But you know what? We have to role model things. There's a difference between wanting to be seen for our own self-grandizement or seen as an example. Hello? Jesus had no problem praying publicly. And he even said one time, Father, I pray for their sake that they might hear me pray. Not for, he, prayed, he prayed so people can... He role modeled it. He demonstrated it. Why? Because he understood how important it was. And he prayed. And the Bible says there was a time when, when the disciples saw him and they saw his demeanor. They saw the peace that he had. They, 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 they saw the way he carried himself. And they were so impressed that they said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Wow. Lord, may we live out our faith. May we walk in, in, and live out the gospel that people come to us and say, teach me to pray. I want to be able to pray like you. I want to be able to live like you. I want to be able to walk like you. Come on. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to make us his disciples that we can make other disciples. His demeanor, his presentation, his whole being personified a fellowship and a communion with God that others desired, and they said, Lord, please teach us to pray. You know, there's one thing that's certain, that the disciples had to grasp the meaning of prayer. They had to learn how to pray. They, learned how, they had to learn that, that the consistency in their life, it was so important, or else they could really accomplish nothing. Personally, I remember being discipled by men of God. And I was taught this. I saw it demonstrated by, by, by teachers, by mentors, by pastors. I saw this demonstrated in, you know what? It impacted my life. And there was one thing I always desired to be was a man of prayer. And you know what? I, I tried now to demonstrate that on a Sunday morning in the cafe, I'll be praying. On a Wednesday night in the sanctuary, most times you'll find me here praying. Times of prayer and fasting, I'll be here praying. To demonstrate that if there are any disciples, if there are anybody, there is anyone who wants to learn how to pray. Because you know, I know one thing, that without, without him, I can do nothing. I realize I, as I stand here today, all that God has done over the years and how God has blessed and grown this church and prospered this church, I give all the glory to God because I know it's been because of prayer. Amen. The prayer that I've prayed and the prayer that many of you have prayed. Because you understand that without God's, without praying, we can do nothing. 
that, that we need to seek God. We need to pray. And you know what? Especially in the day and age that we're living in, Jesus would say over and over to his disciples, watch and pray. Watch and pray. He would say over and over to his disciples, as you see the day approaching, pray, seek, stay close to me. He would, he would urge his disciples. He would, he, would, he would try to infect them with an urgency, a sense of destiny that, you know what? We need to pray lest we enter into temptation. And that's what the scriptures say. Jesus said, pray lest you enter into temptation. Why? Because the spirit's willing and the flesh is weak. All of us have a spiritual part of us, but we also have a fleshly part of us. And without prayer, our flesh will take over. But with prayer, our spirit man can grow and can develop and can do the will of God. Without prayer, this church has no real spiritual power. I don't care if we've got nice lights, nice building, if we have a youth extension, if we have all these resources, if we have all of that. Without prayer, it's meaningless. Without prayer, there's no power. Some churches will build their ministry on, on business techniques and marketing strategies. And you know what that'll produce? It'll produce a work of the flesh. But we as the people of God want to follow the example of Jesus and build our life and our ministry on the spirit through the power of prayer. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus also demonstrated the power of scripture. He showed his disciples over and over again the importance and the authority as he used the Holy Scriptures. The book makes reference to 66 times that Jesus would use uh, in his teaching the, uh, the Scriptures from the Old Testament to his disciples. 90 times there would be an allusion to the Old Testament when speaking to others. Jesus, as he would, he would go about with his disciples and as he would uh, interact and, and, and face different situations, Jesus would say, it is written. Jesus would say, have you never read? Jesus would say, you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God and you are in error. So this morning I challenge you. You know, as we look at Jesus' life and he demonstrated the importance of the scriptures, we too ought to live our lives and, and, and not, have, not be so far from, from scriptures being on our lips. Jesus had an easy recollection. He had a free flow of scriptures and that had to impress his disciples because that meant he had to study, he had to learn the scriptures. We have a promise that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the things Jesus has taught us. But did you hear that? He'll bring to remembrance what Jesus has taught us. He's not going to just by osmosis give you scripture if you don't study them. Amen. Hello? You can't just pray uh, for revelation uh, in the middle of a trial if you've never put anything in your heart and in your spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to quicken what you have thought on, what you have meditated on. If Jesus understood the importance and the power of Scripture, so you and I ought to, ought to have that same heart and that same passion for the Word of God. Amen. And in turn, others will know and others will see that we believe that the Word of God is powerful because we read it, because we pray it, because we quote it, because we talk about it. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Some of us say, well, my memory's not that good. You know what? The Holy Spirit will help you. Well, I don't have the greatest mind. You know what? I, I, don't, I don't think I'm the, the sharpest knife in the drawer. 
I don't think I'm the smartest person around, but one thing I did as a new believer, I had a passion and I committed myself, said I'm gonna learn the word of God. And I had such a passion that I would read and read and read and, and just through constant repetition, I know places in the, in the New Testament, you could call out scripture, I can see them on the page. Again, I don't have a photographic memory, but I just have through repetition. You say, well, you know what, that's good for you, but still, I don't have the greatest mind. Well, how many of you know what channel ESPN is? The Food Channel. How many of you can just flick the channels and you know what's next? A&E and and Nick at Night and all of that stuff. Come on, think about some of the statistics you know. Some of you know uh, uh, what, what the standings are for, for basketball. The Celtics, their record, how many they won. They're 9-1, and one. their last 10 games. They... Some of you know a lot of things and is settled in heaven forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. If some of us would get off of Facebook and get our face in the book. Come on. If some of us, again, again, I understand, we're role modeling. Now, if you come to church and you say, oh, pastor, I believe the word of God is important. Oh, amen, I believe in prayer. But you never bow your knee at an altar. You never crack your Bible. Come on, you never memorize a scripture. Then it is not truth. It is not sincerity. There is not reality in that. You have to not only say you believe it, you have to demonstrate it by how you live your life. Amen. Because you know the reality of it is we will make time for what is important to us. We will make time for what is significant in our life. And if the word of God is significant, and it is, Jesus demonstrated it. If, the, if prayer is significant, it is. Jesus showed us that, that he would spend time in prayer. The Bible said he would get up early in the morning. And he would find himself. We, we got to get this thing home. But we already have an altar in our house, a spiritual place, a place where we meet with God. And that's something we do, again, because we understand that we need the strength and the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. But we also need to be living out our life before others that they sense and they see the same thing. You see, Jesus, and I'm going to bring this to a close. Actually, it's only 11.35. We, We end at 12.30, don't we? I've got to, I have to work, I have to put two sermons in because we usually preach twice on Sunday. I put two sermons in one service. See, Jesus demonstrated how to live life. I love what he said in John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What was the truth that Jesus showed? He said, these things I've spoken to you. His word is truth. What's the reality? In this world, you will have tribulation. What's the hope? Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. And what was he saying? He was saying, I'm an example. I'm demonstrated how to live in a sin-sick world and be an overcomer. I'm an example, Jesus was saying. And you see, people need to see the fruit of the gospel at work in our lives. 
It's not enough just to do it in the inside of four walls of a building. People need to see the fruit, us demonstrating the gospel at work in our lives. That means we're showing integrity in the midst of temptation. It means we're showing kindness in response to mistreatment. It means we're showing forgiveness in return for harm. My wife and I have had mentors over the years and, and we would actually kind of, when we're going through something, we would joke and we would say, how, how is someone's, how would they deal with it? And we would think, not just what they taught, we would think, how did they live out their life when, when they were under attack? How did they live out their life when they were going through suffering? And it would help us because we saw the gospel fleshed out. And that's what we're all called to do. Amen. We're all called to live out the gospel. Forgiveness in return for the harm people do to us. You know, that's a big thing. People keep telling me, you know, pastor, you need to preach on forgiveness more. I guess because a lot of people have deal with that. They deal with unforgiveness. They deal with bitterness. They deal with hurt. And the reality of it is if you live any length of time, you know, I mean, even, I don't know, they still do that to the baby. They don't slap the baby on the bum to get him to cry, do they? I didn't do. But even thinking from birth, you come out crying and they're slapping you. I mean, that's just life. That's life, man. I mean, come on. Life. It's just, it's not easy. But you know what? We demonstrate the truth and the power of God's salvation in our life. We declare to a world around us the gospel isn't just something we believe. It's something that changes us from the inside out. Come on, somebody say amen. It doesn't mean you need to be perfect all the time. It just means that we need to be aware that people are watching us. We're not perfect. We make mistakes, but, but in the midst of it, we ask for forgiveness. In the midst of it, we say we're sorry. In the midst of it, we, 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 we deal with stuff. You see, the world, people around us will take us more seriously when our faith is more than words, more than doctrines, more than creeds, but our faith, faith actually impacts every area of our life. You know, as I bring this to a close, I'm just going to ask the singers and the musicians if they could come back. To be honest with you, personally, this has been one of the most difficult times to pastors. I've heard people say this. I've heard pastors from all different denominations, size churches, just talking about how difficult it is to pastor at this time. You know, with, with COVID, with, with, with all of the, the, the chaos in our world and, and all of that spirit that's creeped into the church, it's been, it's been so hard. And, you know, I must confess, if it wasn't for mentors, I want you to, I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me. You listening? If it wasn't for mentors and leaders who discipled me, who demonstrated fortitude, perseverance, don't quit attitude, I don't know if I'd still be in the ministry today after 32 years. If I didn't have people who I saw in ministry face great opposition, great tragedy, great attacks, difficulty, 
and but still had the fortitude. And I saw, I saw their lives. And I saw how they walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I saw how they walked through so much hell. And, and I saw it and, and they had a fortitude. They had a perseverance. They had a don't quit attitude. And, and, and you know what? That, that ministered strength to me. I've heard today, I've heard recently from pastors all around and, 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 and different denominations, denominational leaders said there's more fatigue, more resignation, more open churches than he's ever seen in his 50, 60 years. But if it wasn't for those who didn't just teach it and preach it, but they lived it, they demonstrated it, they showed me something. And I see in this generation, I see a lot of young people, they don't, they don't necessarily have the, the mentors and the role models. And, 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 and because of the pressure, they're quitting, they're giving up, they're throwing in the towel. But I believe that as we have people that mentor us, we in turn now could mentor other people. We have been discipled, we disciple other people. We see other people demonstrate the gospel to us, we in turn demonstrate it to others. It's not either and, it's not either or, but it's both and. We do both this morning. We live out our faith. It's Paul writing in Acts chapter 20, verse 17. He says, verse 18, and when they had come to him, he said, you know from the first day I came to you, what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, and how I kept nothing back that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and I taught you publicly from house to house. He said, I not only, I not only taught you, but, but, but I held nothing back. And then he went on to say, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, he said, let such a person consider this, that what we were in word by letters, we will also be in deed when we are present. He also said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, perseverance, faith, long-suffering, love, persevering, persecutions, affliction that I endured. And he said, out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. He said, listen, he says, I want you to continue in the things which you learn and be assured knowing from whom you learn them. It is so important, brothers and sisters, it's good to go on YouTube and listen to sermons. It's good to go on Pandora. It's good to, to listen to, to worship. It's good to, to, to live stream and, and watch, not during this church service, but watch other preachers, but there's nothing like rubbing shoulders with people you know. Because you know what Paul says? He said, I want you to remember that you carefully followed my life. Some preachers, some people, we really don't know how they're living. They can preach great sermons, they could have great productions on TV. Great productions, great presentations. But you know what? There's nothing like being connected to a local church. There's nothing like serving in a local church. There's nothing like getting to know brothers and sisters in a local church. And I know some of you are still looking for the perfect church. But please, if you find it, don't join it 
because it won't be perfect anymore because you'll be there. But realize the church is made up of imperfect people. So if you're imperfect, this is the perfect church for you. But the church is made up of imperfect people who are doing their best to follow a perfect Savior and to learn his ways and to demonstrate it to other people. Can you stand together with me this morning? Can we make a commitment to demonstrate the life, the ministry of our Savior? No greater calling, no greater opportunity, no greater privilege this morning to live out our faith and to disciple others, to teach others. Do you have to be, have all the knowledge, have all the understanding to, be a, uh, to make disciples? No. You just need to know something to tell someone else and to also demonstrate it, what you've really learned in your own life. This morning, I want to ask you, as we move through this series on discipleship, are you willing to demonstrate it or are you just want to be a church attender? You want to just be, receive the blessing and just go your way or do you really want to follow Jesus? If, that, if that's something you want to, I want to ask, I want to pray. Let's close in prayer. I want you to move out of your seat. I want you to come forward today. I want you to say, you know what? There's a lost and dying world that I need to live out my faith. Would you just move forward? Just as I said, for me personally, if I didn't have mentors who had a, had a, a, a grit to them, had a no-quit attitude, had a tenacity, I don't know where I'd be today. You know what? We need to, in turn, I need to, in turn, be that kind of strength to a younger generation. You need to be that kind of strength to others that, you know what? No matter what happens, COVID, I'm going to be in church. Racial issues, I'm going to still love people. I'm not going to be prejudiced. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to not just talk about it on social media. I'm going to come to Victory Church and love people who are different than I am. I'm going to live this thing out. I'm going to demonstrate what it means to love people, to serve people. I'm going to demonstrate what it means to have a fortitude. You know what Nehemiah said when they came to him and, and, and they were trying to make him afraid and they wanted him to sin and they wanted him to run? You know what Nehemiah said? Should such a man as I run? He was saying, man, you're messing. You're barking up the wrong tree. I might have been born again last, uh, last night, but I, I, I was... Help me out. He had a grit to him. He had something in his spirit, in his, his heart that he wouldn't run. Come on, in Christianity, we have to be of that kind of stuff. Oh, somebody left the church. I don't know if I'm going to go back because they're not here anymore. I miss them. Come on, grow up. Grow up. Bring, bring five more people. Make five new friends. Amen. If that was your only friend, come on. Come on. Oh, the pastor offended me. He didn't say hi. Come on, grow up. Come on, this is the gospel. This is the church. We're moving forward. We're fighting principalities and powers. If you're going to get offended that easily, you're a pushover. You ain't going to do anything for the kingdom of God. Come on, you've got to have some stuff to you. 
Come on, let's commit ourselves today. Say, I'm going to stand. Others are going to run. I'm going to stand. Come on, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to live out my, the gospel. I'm going to live and I'm going to demonstrate it to others. Come on, would you pray right now? Come on, all over this church, we're looking for disciples. We're not just looking for decisions. We're not just looking for a lot of people to come to a church. We're looking for people to commit to follow Jesus. Amen. Come on, would you begin to pray right now all over this place? Come on, committing yourself not only to be a disciple, but to make disciples. Not only to follow Jesus' example, but to be an example to other people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, make us disciples who make disciples. God, I pray, Lord, let there be a grit. Let there be a grit, God. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, by your spirit, by your spirit, God. God, I pray, oh, Lord, God, do something in our lives today, God. Let us not just learn something. Let us do it, God. God, we don't really know it until we do it, God. Father God, I pray, Lord, touch your people today. Touch your church today. Raise up an army today. Raise up disciples today, God. Father, by your spirit, by your spirit, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we pray right now, Lord, even as we see the example of Jesus demonstrating to us how to live out our faith. God, I pray today, Lord, that your people would have that revelation, God, but also have the heart of obedience to now live it out, to now do it, God. Father, God, you left us an example. Father God, you showed us in your word how to live out our faith, and I pray today a blessing over your people. Father God, I pray today, Lord, that you would cause your people to become true disciples, God, true followers of Jesus. Lord God, I pray set your people free today, whatever is hindering them. God, that their flesh, they would lay down their desires. They would lay down their life and take up the cross and follow you. Lord, that they would obey you, that we would trust you today, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Thank you that you're stirring up a desire in the hearts of your people. Thank you, God, that you're drawing people to this church that are willing to be disciples, that are willing to go out and evangelize, God. Thank you for, for the youth, God, that are, that are seeking you, God, that are learning your ways, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for those in this church. God, that are just demonstrating the gospel. Thank you for every elder, every leader that's an example, God. Thank you for those that are, that, are, that, are, that are men of God and women of God in this church, God, that are truly demonstrating and living out their faith in a very real and tangible way. God, bless their ministries, God. Bless the ministries, God. Uh, the discipleship process, Lord. God, we're not just looking to, to be disciples and to keep learning, God. We want to pass it on to other people. We want to disciple others. God, bring people into our path. Bring people into our life at work, God. In the schools, God. God, in our homes, God, that have a hunger and a thirst to follow you, that we could help them in the, on the journey, God. Lord God, I pray you'd bless the ministries in this church. 
Bless the ministers in this church, the leaders, God, the workers in children's ministry and the nursery and, and, and the youth and in every aspect, God, that they would demonstrate their faith and others would want to also follow you. God, we thank you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen, amen. God bless you. Let's lead in a song before we leave this morning. God bless you. Take time to greet one another. God.